0: Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Nahmuduhu wa nasalli ala rasooli al-kareem. Amma Alhamdulillah. Today is the 14th of January in the year 2024. And Alhamdulillah, as the blessed month of Rajab has entered, we moved on to... The Blessed Surah Al-Nur. So inshallah today, going through, up to and including verse 2. But only halfway through verse 2. So before moving to the commentary, a few reports. So in a hadith, in Saeed ibn Mansur, in his sunnah, in his shu'ab al-Iman, Imam Sayyuti in his jami al-Saghir is Mursa. Mujahid Rahmatullah alayhi relates that our beloved Messenger said, Teach your men Surah Al Ma'idah and teach your women Surah Al Nur. So, in this report, which is Mursal, the command for the men is they should be well acquainted with Surah Al Ma'idah, i.e., the fifth Surah, and the women should be well acquainted with this Surah, i.e., Surah Al Nur. But in other reports, other Surahs are mentioned. So in a report, it mentions. So this narration is recorded in Abu al-Sheikh Sa'id ibn Mansur, Kanzul Umar, volume 1, page 224. Ayat sahaba volume 4, page 764 of the New English Translation. Sayyidina Umar, (coughs) he said, (coughs) Learn Surah Bara'ah. Teach Surah Nur to your women and give them silver jewelry to wear. So here from Amirul al Sayyidina Umar, he mentioned that Surah Baraa should be learned as Surah 9, which is also called Surah Tawbah. Then he mentioned, teach Surah Nur to your women. And he also mentioned, give them silver jewelry to wear. <laughs> Ay, meaning there's no harm in this. And in another report, it also mentions. So, this is recorded in Behaki Hakim Addur al Mantur and Hayat al sahabah volume 4, page 764 of the New English translation. Sayyidina Umr radiyallahu he said, Surah al baqarah Surah al Nisa, Surah Ma'idah, Surah al Hajj, and Surah Nur must be learnt because they contain the fara'id. So now in this report, it doesn't mention females. So abil al he mentioned that five surahs you must be well acquainted with because the commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are within them. Surah Baqarah, i.e. the largest surah of the Qur'an, the second surah. Surah Nisa, i.e. the fourth surah. Surah Ma'idah, the fifth. Surah Hajj and Surah Nur, because they must be learned, meaning you've got no choice. They must be learned because they contain the faraid. So Lord, in all these reports, Surah Nur is mentioned. And of course, you realize that there's going to be many commands within this surat, especially pertaining to the females. So now this surat <coughs> comes straight after surat Mu'minun. Why is that? So Imam Syuti in his work, Asrar al Quran, The Secret Within the Order of the Quran, page 167, he said, Its connection to surat Mu'minun is that it mentions... In Surat Mu'minun, i.e., verse 5, those who guard their chastity. Surat Nur, the next surat, gives clarity, providing rulings pertaining to those who do not guard their chastity. Because there's the link. So in Surat Mu'minun, Surah 23, verse 5, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions that those who guard their private parts, their chastity, they will be successful. Surat Noor gives you the details how to guard your private parts. And then he goes on to the verses, which I won't mention, but the verses he's referring to in this Surat Surat Noor, verse 2 to 3, verse 4 to 10, verse 11 to 18, verse 30 to 31, which mentions the details with regards to chastity. And then he says at the end, Imam Sayyuti, there is no better connection that is given to these surats than this, and this arrangement cannot be any more harmonious. So what Imam Suyuti was simply saying was the Quran is flowing. There's no, you know, jaggedness to the Quran. Allah, Allah has placed Surah Noor immediately after Surah Mu'minun and he goes, the clear link seems to be with regards to chastity. So moving to the Surah 5 verse 1. A surah which we have sent down and which we have ordained in it, have we sent down clear signs in order that you may receive admonition? <coughs> so one of the distinctions of this blessed Surat nur is Allah the Almighty and Glorious calls it a Surat. The very first word of the Surat, what does it say? Suratun <laughs> Anzalnaaha. A Surat which we have sent down, وَفَرَدْنَاهَا <laughs> Ay, with regards to the commands. So Allah, Allah has called this Surat a Surat explicitly. But what does the word surat mean? So the word surat we translate into chapter. But it has far more meaning. So here it mentions. In its linguistic sense. The word surah means number one. An elevated dwelling or place. So in Arabic surat means something that's high. An elevated dwelling or place. Number two. It also means a high status. So somebody is high in the ranks. Surah. He has a high maqam. The same root gives the word sur, which means number three, means a fence. Or number four, or the wall surrounding a city. So another root meaning is it means a fence or a wall surrounding or protecting a city. It is said that a piece of the Quran that includes a number of verses not less than three with an opening and an ending is called the surah because it surrounds its verses like a fence or a wall so for a surah the scholars point out it must start at the beginning with you know, bismillah you know, predominantly and it must have an ending and this is then called the surah and he goes, why? Because it surrounds the verses like a fence or a wall. Mm. The same root also gives the word sewar, which means a bracelet that surrounds a person's wrist. Mm. Or it is because of the high status. Mm. And number six, it is further said it is called surah because it is complete and perfect. Mm. So when you say chapter, have you really done any justice? <laughs> surat, right? Surat Yaseen. Okay, chapter. The meanings are elevated maqam, a high status, something that's fenced, the walls surrounding a city, because it is a surat which is protecting with whatever is within it. It is complete, it is perfect. So again, Lord, even when we hear these Phrases that we are quite commonly you know, acquainted with. We don't really know what they mean. We're just saying it. Surat, surat. Right? But notice, the word surat here is used for this blessed chapter. So what is that telling you? There's so much wisdom within this Surah. Subhanallah. Verse 2. The woman and man guilty of zina flog each of them with a hundred stripes so now it mentions Zina so again Zina you can roughly translate that to mean fornication but we need to know exactly what that means to understand who is deserving of this punishment so Sheikh Maududi he goes at great lengths to clarify upon these terms so he mentions first the definition of Zina what is Zina in Islam if you ask a person, they give you 10 different clarifications. because oh, if you, you're playing away from home. Another person goes, if you do slap and tickle, right? He goes, hey, is that zina as well? So what is zina? So Shaykh Maududi Rahmatullah he says, There is a difference of opinion amongst the scholars about the definition of zina. According to the Hanafis, so this is the Hanafi clarification. It means... Frontal sexual intercourse of a man with a woman who is neither his wife nor his right hand possesses, nor is there any valid reason to believe that the sexual act was committed under the misapprehension that the woman was his own wife or his right hand possess. So simply put, what is Zenah according to the Hanafis? Zina basically means sexual intercourse with a woman who you are not allowed to do it with. And if you do it accidentally thinking it's your wife or whom your right hand possesses, that is also not zina. You must do it with knowledge. Then the Sheikh said, according to this definition, the sexual act with a woman in the rectum, or sodomy, i.e with the same gender, or gratifications of with animals is not zina. This is why it's important to explain what zina is. So, for, for example, if somebody says to you, a man has committed, uh, is, is you know, with the same gender, is he a zani? You say no. What do you mean? No, right? And he goes, "That's not zina, according to the Hanafis." This is what the definition is important. Then it says, "It is confined only to the frontal sexual intercourse with a woman, with any without any legal right or any doubt thereof." So this is the Hanafi viewpoint. Mm. Then the Sheikh said, "According to the and the Shafis is is, is virtually the same. According to the Maliki's." Zina means the entry of the male sexual organ into the frontal sexual pot or in the rectum of a woman or man. Without legal right or any doubt about its being legal. Then the Sheikh said, according to these two definitions, sodomy is zina. So according to the Malikis, they state that if you commit sodomy with another man that is zina so notice the difference the Hanafi say say it isn't the Maliki say it is and also for the woman as well that's also zina if you go from the back passage according to the Malikis so this is the definition of zina you understand so we're not bothered about what your heart says and what your mind thinks it is right for instance you know you don't want to be too Crude, but when the president of the United States was caught doing what he was doing was that Zina mm-hmm. you know, think about that right people just saying oh look at that Zina how is that Zina he goes well you, you're caught with Monica Lewinsky and he goes yeah what's the definition of Zina mm-hmm. and then he goes it's thinking it's like if you're married then you're playing away from home which book does it mention that so again Lord, you have to be very careful right? you have to clarify upon what is Zina <laughs> Now turning to the act. If somebody is caught red-handed, that's the scenario. So we describe what Zina is. Now he's caught. He's not handed himself in. He's not, you know, he's caught by others red-handed. What is the situation? So first of all, what are the conditions for him to be caught red-handed? So Shaykh Baududi he says. I'm numbling it to make it easy. Number one, mere lying of the couple in the same bed. So if they're in the same bed, that's not enough proof. Number two, or they're caressing each other is not enough proof. Number three, they're being found naked is not enough proof. Is not a sufficient ground for declaring them to be guilty of Zenana. Think about that he's naked, she's naked, stay in bed, not playing chess or they? right? And he goes, bed's moving. He goes, sorry,
1: that's not Zina. <laughs> then
0: the Sheikh said, so much so, the Islamic law does not even bother to get the couple medically examined to establish their guilt of illicit sexual intercourse. And then to get them punished according to the law. So you can't even do this. Well, okay, we didn't see it. But we're going to take him to the doctors. We're going to find out. No, you can't. You can't do that. Then the Sheikh said, Those who are found in such an indecent condition are offenders and punishable. The competent authority to determine the nature of punishment is the court or the Islamic State legislature." If the punishment is to be given in the form of flogging with stripes, it should not exceed 10 stripes because of the hadith. In Sayyih Bukhari, Sahih Muslim Abu Dawood, the Prophet said, except in cases where a specific punishment has been prescribed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, none should be flogged with more than 10 stripes for any offense. Hmm. So what do you do with those people? Obviously there's a crime being committed okay it's not, it's not zina the most you can do is give him 10 stripes the Prophet said it <laughs> think about that so what do you notice what's happening does Allah ta'ala want people to be stoned to death no he's making it difficult but you haven't gone through the commands or understanding the definition and the, what's the legal proceedings second scenario if a person is not caught but he confesses have you understood? So this person has, Audhi committed zina, he confesses. If a person is, Sheikh Maudud is saying this, if a person is not caught red-handed, but confesses his guilt himself, he should only be admonished to repent. According to a hadith, the hadith is in, uh, Muslim, Tirmidhi, Abu Dawud Nesai, Abdullah Ibn Masood the Prophet a man came to him and said I did everything with the woman except intercourse and think about that what does that mean? you know I don't want to be too graphic but what can a man and woman do to each other without intercourse He's i done everything except that the Prophet then the man goes now I'm ready to be punished Rasulullah. he came forward I'm ready the Prophet ﷺ, before he could speak, Umar was furious. He goes, if you concealed it, if Allah concealed it, why didn't you keep it concealed? The Prophet remained silent, didn't say anything. So Umar responded, the Prophet hasn't. The man then doesn't know what to do, he walks away. The Prophet then calls him back. He goes, Allah the Almighty has revealed. Surah uh, Taha, verse 114 Establish Salat at the two ends of the day and in the early part of the night. Good deeds remove evil. So, Subhanallah. He goes, You offer your prayers, Allah Ta'ala will forgive you. The man then says, Does this commandment only apply to me? <laughs> so the man thought, Alhamdulillah, maybe just for me Allah revealed that. The Prophet said, No, it is for everybody. So, this narration explains. So, now what's happened? This man, this if a person confesses he hasn't committed zina, he's done everything else. right? He's done everything else. If he confesses, all the authorities will tell him to do is do tawbah. Think about that. Hey, come on, brother, right? That's it. Unless you want to make your own sharia to If you just keep doing your five prayers, do tawbah. <laughs> Somebody go, oh, I don't accept that. Well, go and make your own. Khawari sharia tupine, astaghfirullah. Then the Sheikh said, not only this, the Islamic law does not permit in cases where a man confesses his guilt without specifying his offense any investigation to be made. So now there's another person. He has committed zina. So this last person didn't commit zina. He's done everything else. What if a person's committed zina? but he's clever he goes to the authorities and he goes I need to be purified but he doesn't mention zina have you understood Mm -hmm. there's a difference now right so he's committed zina but he goes to I need to be purified but he doesn't mention I've committed zina what about him Mm -hmm. the shaykh said in Sayyid Bukhari Muslim and Ahmad a man came to the Prophet and said Ya Rasulullah I deserve the prescribed punishment please enforce the punishment on me Look how wise he was. He goes, I need to be purified. <laughs> Please apply it. The Prophet وسلم, did not ask him what punishment he deserved. Why? Because by asking him, he'll know what he's done. So he'll you know if he had said, so what do you what 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 punishment do you deserve? If he had said, Well, I need to be stoned, that's confession. He didn't ask him, Sallallahu The Prophet وسلم, didn't even speak to him. Because let's pray. The man offered his prayers, I behind Rasulullah in the congregational prayer. He came again. He goes, I am guilty, Ya Rasulullah. Please punish me. The Prophet said, Have you not offered Salat with us? He goes, Yes, because Allah has forgiven you. Think about that. So, this man, we don't know whether he committed Zina, but you get the impression he did. He didn't spell it out. All he said was, I need to be purified. Too. So, in that scenario, the scholars say, you do not even investigate. You don't say to the person, what do you mean you need to be purified? Tell me. Is that my hand chopping off? Confession, take his hand off. The answer is no. The authorities, they'll say, Inshallah, just go on, let's play. Right? So, all of this is so important. Why? Because people, they love talking about Shariat. You know, especially the non-Muslims. <laughs> they you your religion, my God, is in the bloody dark ages. Stoned into death, chopping hands off. He goes, how many people get stoned to death? And what is the due process? He goes, well, we're not bothered over like." Right? And then you go through it and then they'll walk away. Sheep-letting, then they realize their has come off, right? Astaghfirullah. So now another scenario. Can you offer compensation? Somebody's committed zina and goes, look, we need to like arrange a settlement here. I don't want to get stoned, right? You know, we'll just like I'm a millionaire. So the Sheikh Maududi Rahmatullah he says, under the Islamic law, zina is not a compoundable crime. What does that mean? Big words. It means you cannot switch to compensation. You can't do that. This is based upon which proof he gives a hadith. The hadith is in Sahih Bukhari and Muslim. There was a young, a youngster, a young man, working as a laborer in a certain house. So he was working in a house. He committed zina with the wife of his boss. <laughs> Have you understood what's happening, right? So he got into a house doing some work. He does zina with the, his, his, his master's wife. The father of the boy, so the one who's committed zina, the father of that man, he gave a hundred goats and one slave woman to the boss. He said, look, please forgive my son. Here's a hundred goats in compensation and he's a slave girl as well. So the boss told no problem. Well, we need to go to the Prophet first. <laughs> when the case came to the Prophet, he responded, The goats and the slave girl are returned, give them back. Then he awarded the prescribed punishment to both the guilty ones. They were both punished. The Sheikh then said, This shows that the crime of zina is not compoundable. And under Islamic law, an outraged chastity cannot be compensated in terms of money. Mm. This shameless conception of monetary compensation for outraged modesty is part of the Western law. Isn't that true? (laughs) Compo, 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 pay them off, pay them off. (laughs) You know, Prince Andrew, pay them off, right? Where is that? Is that our Shariat? If anybody has... To mock anybody is, is mocking you. What sort of a law is that? That's an outrage of chastity. You're paying people's honor off. <laughs> the Prophet was was No, we don't accept it. <laughs> there is another thing we need to be aware of. Also, the Islamic government shall not take action against anybody unless zina is fully proved. So what is the punishment? Very simply, I don't want to go into it at the moment. If a man is married, He commits zina, legal definition. not what you think. Legal definition of zina. And the evidence is proved. Then he's stoned to death. If the evidence is proved, the question therefore is, what is the evidence? You understand? Before, ultimately, he is to be stoned. What needs to be in place? If the guilt is not proved, even if they have knowledge of the crime through many sources. So imagine, somebody says to you, 120% percent, he's sleeping around. This shaitan, he's money, he's going around block. <laughs> Another person goes, yeah, they are accepted. And then all these mutawatir testimonies now coming through. The shaykh goes, not accepted. <laughs> then he calls a hadith to prove this. In Sahih Bukhari and Ibn Majah, there was a woman in al Madina who was openly a prostitute. <laughs> You can't get clearer than that. Muni. Let's do the business. Openly. In spite of this, no punishment was given to her. Why? Because there was no proof of zina against her. Rasulullah only said this, if I were to stone anybody to death without proof, I would have certainly stoned this woman. But I can't. So what does that tell you? Think, look at, Allah, Allah doesn't want you to go around stoned. Imagine, prostitute. I sin, huh? well, what did you play? Chess. Right? What were you doing? Does it matter? We need proof. Because you can't, the Prophet, he did say, you would have been stoned. But you can't do it. Because the Prophet told us. So now let's look at the proof. What is the proof before it can be done? Now you tell me, how many people can get stoned to death? the first proof of zina is number one <laughs> the quran explicitly mentions there should be at least four eyewitnesses to prove the guilt four eyewitnesses stated in surat nisa surat 4 verse 15 Surah uh, nur 2 repeated twice verse 4 verse 13. <coughs> so imagine Three witnesses. See everything. I don't know what they're doing. They might be directing a film or something, right? Yeah. 100%. Not enough proof. Imagine any three men go, what? What do you mean? We've got, we saw it. Sorry. We need four witnesses. Number two. That's not enough. Number two. The witnesses should be reliable according to the Islamic law. Reliable. Which requires, number one. They should not have been proved to be false witnesses on previous occasions. Mm -hmm. Number two, they should not be dishonest. Mm -hmm. Number three, they should not have any previous convictions. Mm -hmm. And number four, there should be no proof of their having any personal grudge against the person. Mm -hmm. Subhanallah. So four witnesses come, we saw it, we filmed it, we saw it, Mm -hmm. right? The judge goes, right. Any of your committed to false witness? If one of them says yeah, they get whipped. <laughs> I don't know that, We didn't. He goes, no, no, none of us committed false witness. Okay, number two. Any of you been dishonest? <laughs> Next minute. Right? What? What? Why are you keeping quiet for? What's happening? Right? Next minute, whip them. <laughs> number, because they're all the all icons, imagine. We're we'll not, we're honest. Right? Number three. Any previous convictions? Next minute, what the hell's going on here? Moon walk backwards a quarter minute, right? Number four, do you have any grudge against this person? Maybe there's some beef between you and him, some, some family matters. In short, no one can be stoned or flogged on the basis of this evidence. Subhanallah. So that's number two. So, what we got so far? Four witnesses, eyewitnesses. And number two, the four conditions for those witnesses. That's not enough. Third condition please. The witnesses should give evidence to the effect they saw the man and the woman in the actual state of intercourse. Such clarity as a piston in a cylinder, a rope in a well. So if they say, we saw bedsheets moving with them. <laughs> he goes, no, no, we saw the <laughs> stuff here. I don't want to be graphic, but we saw the pelvic joints moving. Sorry, whipped them. They gotta say this. You know. We saw you know the male organ enter the female organ. How are they doing that? I imagine you, know, you is this a film you're making here. What's going on, Stakhwidullah? He goes, how many four and now four of them. Right? Are they going to come on have a look? Right? He goes, they have to do that, otherwise not accepted. And number four. The witnesses should be unanimous mm. in regard to the time, the place, and the persons committing the crime. Mm. They must not have different times. So if one of them says after zor <coughs> I sorry, three of them said after Zor. the fourth one goes, no, after Asr, after Asr, get them whipped. <laughs> Timing has to be perfect. <laughs> Stopwatch. Right? Number two. The place. So if they goes, yeah, it was in Ayazel's Park. We saw Ayazel's Park. Another one goes, no, it wasn't. It was a Grace Park. Get them whipped. Place must be perfect. And number three, they must be unanimous with the two who are committing zina. They must know, not have any doubts. Any difference in these will nullify their testimony. These conditions apply or indicate that the Islamic law does not intend to punish as a matter of course. What are we learning? Allah doesn't want you to stone. He's making it so difficult. If somebody actually gets stoned, the only way I see a person can get stoned is if he confesses. If he comes up like to the Prophet Wasallam, he goes, I've committed zina, ya Rasulullah. And the Prophet even turned away from him, he goes, were you drunk? Maybe you misunderstood, maybe this and that. He's trying to get him off the hook. He goes, no. I did it. And then the Prophet then gave command, stone him. <laughs> Apart from that, who else is going to get stoned? <laughs> so the Sheikh goes, this is the wisdom of the Sharia. It's not out to kill. It's out to prevent. <laughs> then the Sheikh said, it inflicts severe punishment only in spite of all measures to reform and eradicate the evil. There still exists a shameless couple in the Islamic society, who commits the crime in a way as to be witnessed as many as four men. One last thing before you wrap up. Pregnancy. Is that a proof of zina? Well, of course it is. If a woman's pregnant, you know, imagine. Well, what happened? I had a dream and I got pregnant. Get out of it! Like, If a woman's pregnant, isn't that a proof? Shaykh alayhi said, There is a difference of opinion <laughs> as to whether pregnancy by itself in a free woman when she has no husband or in a slave woman when she has no master is sufficient circumstantial evidence for the establishment of the crime of zina. Difference of opinion. The Shaykh goes, According to the Malikis, they have adopted Umar's view that it is sufficient proof. Mm-hmm. So if a woman is pregnant, that is a proof by itself that she's committed zina. Mm-hmm. It's a proof according to the Madikis. And they look at Omar, who said this is the proof that he Allah. not. But the majority of the Imams are of the opinion that mere pregnancy is not sufficient ground for stoning or flogging anybody with a hundred stripes. It is imperative that such a serious punishment should be based either on the evidence or the confession of guilt. Why did they say no? Because Rasulullah said, sallallahu avoid punishments wherever you find scope for it. Ibn Majah. He goes, try your best to avoid the hudud. Who's that command to? To the judges. So if a woman's pregnant, you think, what well, is a million to one chance it might not have happened? No, he's off. <laughs> what are we talking about? The Prophet told us, you've got to try and find a way out. In another hadith, it mentions, Try to avoid punishment, punishing the Muslims wherever possible. If there is an error of judgment in letting off an accused, it is better than punishing him. So what was the Prophet saying, wasallam. If you punish somebody, and God forbid he wasn't guilty, he goes, that's bad. But if you don't punish somebody and he was guilty, that's not as bad. Why? Because you haven't taken his life. Have you understood? This is not the meaning of the hadith of the Prophet. Then the Shaykh said to finish According to this principle, the existence of pregnancy is not a definite proof of zina, however strong it may be. For there is a minute possibility, maybe one out of a million that the semen of a man may enter the womb of a woman somehow or the other without any intercourse to make her pregnant. Even such a minute possibility of doubt should be enough to spare the accused of the punishment of zina.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Subhanallah. So think about the Why am I mentioning all this? Because we're talking about the verse. What does Allah say? Does he go into all these details? No. All he says in verse 2, the woman and man guilty of zina flogged them. So people just look straight at the Qur'an Oh, come on Line them up Line them all up <laughs> Line up. What are you talking about? Is it a fun fair? What's going on? He goes, oh, they've all done it What have they done? Zina What's Zina? Slap and tickle Get him whipped Right? And then he goes What are you talking about? What's going on there? Isn't that Zina? No That's your definition of Zina And then he goes Right Why is it Zina? Okay, yeah He's done the Zina Technically you've legally explained it Uh who said he's done Where's the witnesses? Are they upright? Are they, u- are they unified in their understanding? I'll tell you straight. That's why if you look at the sunnah in the time of the Prophet who are the only ones we know who were stoned to death? Confession. You, can you think of any other? A woman came. The Prophet said, look what happened here. You know, I'll mention it briefly. She got pregnant. And the Prophet said, come back when the child's born. Look how he's trying to so she carries the child, child's born, she comes back. The Prophet ﷺ said, suckle the child. <laughs> I mean go away, right? She suckles the child, she comes back. And then the Prophet, ﷺ, nothing there's nothing left you could do. He goes stone this woman. When she stoned, Khalid bin Walid is one of the ones who stones her, And some of the blood hits his garments. And he said, filthy blood. <laughs> and then Rasulullah said, Khalid. Because goes, she's done such a repentance. If all of the people of Medina committed this crime, this one would have been sufficient for their forgiveness. Right? So that stoning is purifying them. Where have they caught persons? Show me. Where have they caught somebody? If they have, they must be making films. Right? So again, notice, why then are these commands in the Quran? Because it's, a it's, is to you know to put the fear of God into people. Not that Allah wants people to be stoned and flogged, you know. subhanallah. So all inside of us, and we welcome. O Allah, I'm in the shade of Your mercy. Bismillah rahman al-Rahim. Surah An-Nahl, we revealed it, and we revealed it in Azaniya والزاني Azani, كل do, منهما Minhoma, We pray to Almighty Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala that He makes the Quran, the Radia of our hearts. and I pray to Almighty Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala that He forgives me for any edits which I may have inadvertently uttered. So, Allah Behamdi is one of the love of Behamdi, Kashmullah, Illah, Allah, 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 wa